We live in a dangerous world, a world where we hear of wars and rumors of wars. Um, we hear of, you know, the atrocities within Syria. Uh, <clears throat> we hear of um, just different things that make us nervous, that we're afraid of. Um, over here in the UK, the, the threat level is severe, which says that which means that we're more likely to have a terrorist attack at any time. Um, it makes you think it's only a matter of time before maybe some of us or one of us are killed. It's a dangerous world. We live in communities where there's a possibility of being shot or stabbed. So many knife crimes that have happened this year already, it's so sad and it's so... Um, It's so, I don't know, it just makes you feel so sad that things like this can actually go on. I mean, even last year we had someone who was close to us who died because of knife crime. And that's affected quite a few of us quite severely. We live in a dangerous world. We don't know if we're going to get mugged, burgled, have a car accident, be killed in a train crash. We, we just don't know. We live in a dangerous world. I knew a guy who had bad migraines. He went to the doctors. They did a scan and they found a cancerous tumor the size of an orange next to his brain. And within six months, he died. We live in a terrifying world with real threats um, and things that could possibly happen to us which, which are just terrifying. Financially, we live in a dangerous world. As we try to get on the housing ladder, we're putting ourselves under so much pressure to, pr pressure to, to, to get there that we could possibly face financial ruin. And my guess is that we react to this in different ways. Some are active. Some put something in place. I know the majority of you here, I won't say who you are, but you probably, you know, I mean, you've probably put savings and so on. Some of us are not like that. Some of us are, like, are lazy, like the person in Proverbs, who says, there's a lion outside. You know what? I'm not going to get up. It's too dangerous to do anything. Or some of us are, are like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. I don't know if anyone remembers Winnie the Pooh. Most of you youngsters probably don't know Winnie the Pooh. No? Maybe. And Eeyore always fears the worst and expects the worst. We can be like, like Eeyore every time we've got an ache or something. We always think to ourselves, this is the beginning of the thing that's going to kill me. Some of us are like that. And one day it might be true. We just don't know. We live in a dangerous world. We fear that we can't live the Christian life now or in the future. Fear of what's around the corner. Fear of moving to a new home. Fear of that we haven't got the job as yet. Fear can eat away at our our joy, and it can enslave us, and the world has no answer to fear. The world will say, it's, it's all right, it's going to be all right, but we're not feeling that. You'll get over it, but who does? Do this to take your mind off of it, but you always end up back at the same place. <clears throat> and I totally understand where how you feel. I feel like this sometimes. There's a time when 
in 2006, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And as soon as I was diagnosed, it was just like, that's it. Finance, finances are gone. You know, who's going to support my family? You know, what am I going to do? Um, where's my help going to come from? But what does the word of God say? We have this beautiful psalm which contains the answer, the answers to our fear. And it's in Psalm 121. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to it, or you can just read it on the screen. So read with me. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He, watches, he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Amen. Before we continue, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, Lord, you are amazing. And we thank you, Father. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you for this opportunity to communicate your word. Lord, you alone are God, and you know the hearts and minds of your people. Open their hearts to hear your word, Lord, to consider it, to think upon it, Lord. To know that it's from you, and it has meaning, and it, it can help them in their lives, in their journey, Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we look at this scripture, there's something I just, I want to let you know about this psalm. I want you to know is that it's a conversation between two people. It's a duet. Like, oh, what I've got in my head is Michael Jackson and Paul McCartney. Like Ebony and Ivory. I'm not going to sing it. Anybody, anybody ever heard of Ebony and Ivory? No? Yeah? Okay. Some old folk here. That's all right. Um, and as we preach, as we go through this psalm, it's, it's a song to be sung to each other. It's about one believer, or it's about an Israelite, and it's sung, it's not just sung by him, it's, it's sung with, it's sung by someone else who's on the journey to Jerusalem. So let's just give you a little bit of context before that. Um, so this individual, he's in exile, he's returning from a country where he was, he's been living for, uh, that he was taken to, and now he's being able to re return back to Jerusalem, his home country. And now he's on his way to the temple. And as he's on his way to the temple, um, there's a possibility that there could be um, dangers along the way. And so as he's singing this psalm, he wants or he needs comfort. And it's not just him. It's going to be other people as well. And so you can understand why this is possibly could be a, a duet. So he says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this is the Israelite. This is what he would say. And then his friend would come along and say, he will not let your foot slip. He, he who keeps you is the Lord. He is your keeper. 
So it's a duet. So if you, if you like, I start saying something which is a statement of faith, I believe God is going to protect me. And then, for instance, Mark would say, um, that's right. Mark's, conf Mark's confused. Don't worry, bruv. You're an encouragement. Um, so the believer, it's, it, does, it just doesn't, when you read it, it doesn't sound like he's speaking to himself. It sounds like he's, he's on a journey with someone and he's being encouraged by, by that individual. So it's, as I said, it's a, it's a duet. And the thing is, with the, why is it a duet is, is probably a good question. And I can say, for instance, I trust God, but to be honest, my trust is sometimes weak. Um, I trust one minute, and the next I'm afraid. I trust at breakfast, and then at, at dinner, I'm afraid again. And that's what it's like trusting God. And what I need to do, what I need is for someone to come alongside me and encourage me with these words. So I say, you know, I can say, I trust God. But what I really am saying is, I trust God, but, you know, I really don't know. I think I trust him. And then I need you to come along and say, Oi, come on, you can trust God. I need your encouragement to come, to come alongside me and say, you can, Neil, you can trust God. And then sometimes we will swap places. You will say, oh, I don't know, I, you know, I trust God. And then I can come along and say to you, no, you trust God. Do you hear me? And so it's, it's a psalm which encourages um, people on a journey. And it's, you can think of it as a journey from the time that we're born again to the time when we meet our, our Heavenly Father until the time that we come to our end of our life. It's that type of journey. Um, so that's my little bit on, on the psalm. So I've got four points I, wanna, I want you to notice. Um, and they are God helps you in your time of need. God keeps you in your time of need. God protects you in your time of need. God will keep your life. So the first is that God helps you in your time of need. Verses 1 and 2. Um, look with me, and it says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. So what does this Israelite say? Does he say that his help comes from his friends or his job? Maybe his parents? Maybe his pastor? No, it says it comes from the Lord. He says, my help comes from the Lord. Where does his help come from? The Lord. The word Lord, which may be in all caps in some of your Bibles, is a name that God used to reveal himself to Moses in Exodus 3. And in it, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It reminds the Israelite who's on this journey to the temple that God was and is and forever will be. God's existence doesn't depend on anyone else. God simply is. In verse 16 and 17, God promised, this is in um, Exodus 3, God promised to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt from under the affliction of Pharaoh. And so the Israelite is reminding himself that God will keep him because God keeps his promises. He will keep him to get him home to Jerusalem and to the presence of God. 
You see, the Israelite looks to the hills where there could be danger, and he recognizes his help comes from the Lord. We need to recognize that all things in our life are important to God. God cares about every area of our life. When we ask him for help, we should ask about everything that we're concerned about. Not just the big things, but the little things also. Not just, I don't know, Lord, get me to work safely. But Lord, what shall I do while I'm here? What is it that you want me to do? Who is it that you want me to speak to? And so that was, that's about the Lord. And look, if you look at, at the next part of verse 2, he says, the maker of heaven and earth. This, is, this expression is not only true, but has the idea that God has perfect knowledge of all things. Because he created all things, he created me, he created you, he created our community, the country that we live in, the continents, the world, space, time, I could go on, but God created everything. And you've got to have that in your head when you're coming to God. He has, he created everything. And it reminds the Israelite that God has perfect knowledge of all things. Why? Because he made them. If he made them, then he has perfect understanding of how they operate and, and what they're supposed to do. You see, as the Israelite looks to the hills, he reminds himself that God has perfect knowledge of all things. And that means God cares about everything in our lives. In 1 Peter 5, 7, it says that we are to cast all our care, all our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And this is an opportunity for you to say, just tell God everything that's going on in your life, no matter what it is. Um, I have an incident, maybe you have an incident at work and you, know, you don't know what to do. Give it to God. Tell God, Lord, I don't like what's going on. You know, they need to sort it out. Or whatever it may be, you may be going through, I don't know, something in your marriage. Tell God about it. Don't just leave it to, for yourself or to someone else to try and sort it out. Let God know, and he will take care. It's not that he, it, he will take care of it, but it's a fact that you've got to acknowledge um, Acknowledge God so that he knows about it. It's not that, sorry. Ah. Acknowledge God because <clears throat> it's not that he knows to know, he needs to know about it, but you just need reminding that he knows already and that he can take care of it. So there's nothing outside of his control. In Isaiah 37, 36, Six, Hezekiah is surrounded by the Assyrian army. He's under siege. And he prays to the Lord and says, O Lord Almighty, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the nations, over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So faced with the threat of evil, Hezekiah says, you are God who made heaven and earth. What's he saying? God, you know everything that's going on. Help us in our time of need. Jeremiah, a century later, under siege from the Babylonians, in 32, um, 17, in Jeremiah 32, 17, he says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth. By your great power and outstretched arm, nothing is too hard for you. And in the New Testament, 
we see in Acts 4.24. The disciples under pressure prayed to the sovereign Lord, saying, You made the heaven and the earth. You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And when we pray, we should include this as well. Father God, you made the heavens and the earth. And it gives us reassurance that, God, you know everything that's going on right now. Even now, I'm, I'm praying in myself, Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. You know everything that's going on right now. Even me doing this right now, I'm like, oh, Lord, help me. <clears throat> so what, does it, what that does in our mind, it says that there's nothing that God doesn't know. Everything is in his power, in his control, because he made everything, because he knows how everything works. It's not that he needs reminding, as I said, because he already knows it, but we need reminding of that. We need to remind ourselves that he made everything and that he rules everything. And if he rules everything, then he watches over everything and he helps us in our time of need. And that brings me to my second point. God keeps you in your time of need. So read with me verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He watches over you. You will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now remember when I said about, <coughs> about verse 3, about the second voice. You know, for instance, it could be, I don't know, who could it be? Pastor, it could be Pastor Rob. Um, it could be the Holy Spirit who lives in us. It could, be, it could be anybody who's a believer. And the Israelite would say, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this is where the second voice would come in and say, you're right. He won't let your foot slip. He won't let you fall over. He won't let you be moved. He won't let you um, out of your sight out of his sight. And so the, the second voice reassures the, the Israelite that God's got you. On the journey to Jerusalem, the land can be rocky and slippery. So there's a chance that the Israelite, as he's going towards, going up towards the, um, the temple, that he could put his, his foot in the wrong place and fall over. And the second voice is saying, God's got a hold of you. It's like a parent holding a child's hand when walking in a park. If the child slips, the parent is there to hold them. You see how God won't let the Israelites' foot slip on the journey to the temple? It's the same with us. On our life's journey, um, we can be sure that God won't let us slip. It's not to say that we won't make mistakes or that we won't fall into sin. It's to say that on the journey to be with our Lord, to be in the presence of him forever, he will keep us. He won't let us fall into the enemy's hands. He won't hand us over. As long as we continue trusting in him, as long as we continue believing in him, he will never let us go. So God cares about every area of our lives. Our lives are in his hands as long as we trust in him. As long as you're a Christian, as long as you believe in God, 
he will hold on to you and he will keep you. Just as it says in Psalm 21.7, For the king trusts in the Lord, though the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Through the love, through the unfailing love of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Or in Psalm 16, where a believer faces death and he says, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. You shall not be moved, says the second voice. Why? Because God is not shaken. Because your trust is in him. You're not going to be moved or shaken by anything or anyone or any circumstance. And why will... Why, will, um, why wouldn't our foot slip? Look at me with the remainder of the verse. It says, he who watches over you will not slumber. Because God doesn't doze off, God does not sleep. And in verse 8 it says, indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Does God doze off? No. Is there a time when you can call on God and get an answer phone? Sorry, God. Sorry, God's not here right now. But if you leave your name and number, he'll get back to you. No, it's, it's not a chance. The word slumber is used in the Old Testament in Isaiah 56. It's what a bad watchman um, does. It says, Israel's watchmen are blind. They, are, they all lack knowledge. They are all mute dogs. They cannot bark. They lie around and dream. They love to sleep. And that's, a bad, that's what a bad watchman does. But a good watchman doesn't lie around and dream and love to sleep. And God is a good watchman. God doesn't do that. God is always on duty. It's always God's watch. And this is in contrast, of course, to all the false gods that are out there. If you remember Elijah and the prophets of Baal, he said to them concerning Baal, shout louder, surely he's a god. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. Maybe he's on the toilet. No. It's like those shrines with those little bells that you have to ring. You ring the bell to wake up the gods. You have to wake them up because they go to sleep. And I don't know if you've heard of a rapper called Shaolin. But he puts it sleep sweetly when he says, Buddha is dead. I'm not going to rap it because I'm not a rapper. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. Gandhi and Haile Selassie is dead. Elijah Muhammad is dead. However, Jesus is alive. Our God is alive. He's not dead. He's not asleep. The second voice reassures the Israelite that God doesn't... That God doesn't just watch over him, but he watches over the whole of Israel. So if you imagine that Israel is now going as a community up to the temple, it's not just him. God is watching over all of Israel. So it's not just the pastors, the deacons, and, and so on that God watches over. It's all believers. Everyone is important to God. God watches over all of them. And the thing is, you... You can't really say this unless you're a Christian, unless you've heard the call, unless God has called you to be with him. You can't really say this about yourself unless you are, you are a believer in Christ. 
So point three, the believer in Christ, God protects you in your time of need. God protects you in your time of need. Read with me verses five to six. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. And so the second voice of the Israelite wants you to know that God will protect him, wants him to know that he will protect him on his journey. So because the Lord doesn't doze off, he's our keeper, he's our watchman, he's our guardian, he's our shade on our right hand, he's our right hand man, he's the protector we can rely on, and so on. The God who keeps Israel is going to keep each individual man or woman who is a member of the body of Christ. He keeps each one individually, a shade and a protection. The one who keeps Israel keeps you. The word shade or shelter in verse 5 is like when Ruth came under the wings of the Lord for refuge. And in the Old Testament, in Lamentations 4.20, the people hoped that God's king would be a shelter. They talked about the Lord's anointed, the king, who was captured by the enemy. And they said, we thought that under the, his shadow, under the, his shade, he would live among the nations. They were, they were going to live under the protection of God's king. And years later, Jesus entered Jerusalem and said, how often have I longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? But you were not willing. Jesus says, I wanted to take you under my shade, under my protection, the protection of the cross. God is the one who keeps his people. The one who keeps Israel, redeemed Israel out of Egypt, preserved Israel in the wilderness, guided Israel in the past. He's the one who's going to keep you and me. The Lord is your keeper. He's your shade. He will guard you. He's the one who never goes to sleep. God loves those who believe in him and keeps those who believe in him. He's the one who keeps all the people of God. And if you're a believer in Christ, he's watching over you and guarding you. And if he's watching and guarding you, then he does it 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year. God is constant. He provides complete, comprehensive care. It's like being fully comp on your car. God watches over us day and night and governs everything. He watches over every believer, and he does so day and night. There isn't a time when, as I've said before, God's, God is, God's not resting. There's a, as someone said to me a few weeks ago, God's eye don't shut. He's continually watching over us, over every area of our life, over our marriages, um, over our relationships, good or bad. Um, but God is watching over us. And he cares about every single area of your life. There's nothing that he, that doesn't go past him. There's nothing that, he, that you have to think, oh, maybe God doesn't know about this. No, God knows. But why, but why is he doing, no, why he's doing something. But God knows. Just recognize that. And if you're feeling down or you're, you're, you're not feeling 
that God is listening to you, know that he knows your particular circumstance. He knows every little detail. And he's not going to let you go. Keep believing in him. Keep trusting him. So, in verse 6, it says, The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The sun is the direct attack of the Middle Eastern sun as the pilgrims make their way to Jerusalem. This, presents, this represents the full frontal assault of evil that beats down upon us, threatening to kill us by force day by day. The moon by night, well, the Greek word is used for something like epilepsy, which is found in Matthew 4:24. And basically, literally, it means moonstruck. And there's all sorts of theories of how the phases of the moon affects our minds. And, there's, and this is where we get the word lunacy or lunatic of the moon. But the point is that the attacks of the moon by night speak of the fears, the unsettling anxieties, as opposed to the full frontal assault of evil. The nighttime when we feel unstable, when we feel we're on the edge, not quite sure whether we can cope, but whatever the circumstance, whether it's direct or indirect, not a hair of our head will perish. God watches over you 24 hours a day. He does so seven days a week, 365 days a year, without fail. He is our watchman. And that brings me to the last point. God will keep your life. God will keep your life. Look with me at verse, verses 7 to 8. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. So the second voice wants the Israelite to know that God watches over his life. He will keep your life. He'll watch over your going out, that is, your going out to work at the beginning of the day. He'll watch over your coming in, that is, your coming back at the end of the day, and everything in between. And you can extend that image. He's going to watch over you. You're one of his covenant people. He'll watch over your, your going out at the very beginning of life, your birth, your new birth. From the moment you're born, the moment you are conceived, he will keep a watch over you. And he'll watch over your coming in, the closing years, leading up to death, being taken to glory. And whatever stage of life you're in, you may be in those closing years of weakness in old age or weakness due to sickness. And it's not the fact that he's going to keep you such that you live or you're healed through this, or you may well be. It's that he's going to keep you such that you remain you remain believing in him. God's going to watch over you. He's going to watch over your coming in. And he's going to do it. Verse 8, from this time forth and forevermore. God's going to watch over us. He's going to watch over you. And we get the same thing in Psalm 125. The Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And in Psalm 131, O Israel, put 
your hope in the Lord, both now and forevermore. See, there's no hour in the day. There's no second in the year when he doesn't watch and guard us. It's a beautiful picture. It's a simple truth, but it's a wonderful truth. The truth of God watching over us in every circumstance, at all times, in all places, in every circumstance, in, in any kind of attack, in any kind of danger. The one who keeps Israel will keep you. And he does that. He guards us in Christ. He is the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So throughout the Old Testament, we have many accounts where God has kept his people. He helped Moses to bring the people of Israel out of Egypt. He helped David when he defeated Goliath. He helped Israel return to the land after years of exile. And God helps Jesus as he went to the cross. This is something maybe what Jesus would have gone through because this is where this scripture finds its fulfillment. Jesus would have sung this psalm. He would have sung it many times as he was going up to Jerusalem. But imagine him singing it on the day that he was going to die. What emotion he must have felt. He's looking at the hills knowing that this is the last time he's going up to Jerusalem to fulfill what God has called him to do. And he looks and he says, where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And maybe at that time, it's the Holy Spirit who then sings the remaining verses to him. That's right. He won't let your foot slip. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't sleep. He's watching over you. He's not dozing off. He's not asleep. The attacks of an enemy can harm you, can't harm you in the day or night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He watches over your life. He's watched you from birth now as you go to your death. And he will watch you now and forevermore. As Jesus goes up to Jerusalem, he's singing this song and he has this assurance from God. He's assured that he's able to do this, that God is able to keep him. And because of this, Jesus is our security that helps us to see that God will keep us. Because at the very end, when Jesus died and then he rose again, that showed that he's the resurrection and the life. And therefore, when we trust in him, we will be resurrected also. We need to trust in God through Jesus Christ, who's able to keep us in our time of need. If you're believing in Christ, then, then you have, sorry, if you're not a believer in Christ, then you have no watchman over your soul. The world has no answer to your fears. The world has nothing to say to your fears that can really encourage you. And I want to invite you to join us in a place of safety in Christ. The one who will watch over you is God, if you accept him. And if you're a believer, I want you to be like that second voice, especially to me. Nearly finished. And I want you to say, you're so right to believer. God's got you. You're right to 
to trust God because he governs everything. And he is the one who keeps all the people of God. He's the one who watches over you and me. He watches each man, woman, and child. And he does so in every circumstance, night and day, from our going out to our coming in for now and forevermore. And there's nothing better than being a believer in Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, you are our watchman. Lord, you're on call all the time. We have that liberty to come to you with any request, Lord, and we thank you, Father, that we're able to do so. Thank you, Father, that as we journey on through life, trusting you and believing you, we know that you'll always be holding on to us. I think when it says deliver us from, lead us not into temptation, we know that you won't do that and that you will continue to hold our hand and you won't give up on us. Even though sometimes we might give up on ourselves, we might say to ourselves, ah, oh, you know what? What was that? Why did I do that? But we know that we can come back into your loving arms because you forgive us. As we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us. And so, Lord, we thank you. Thank you, Father, as we continue throughout our journey, Lord. No matter the evil that comes before us, no matter the temptations, Lord, whether we fall or not, Father, as long as we keep trusting in you, Father, you will never let us go. Open our hearts, Father, to your word. Help us, Lord, to know you, to get to know you better, Father. To know that we can trust in you. To know that we have a purpose and that we're not here by accident. But that you have a reason for our lives, Lord. And Lord, we, we thank you so much. It's only, in Ephesians 10, it, it talks about that you've created us for a purpose, Lord, for a specific purpose. And Father, help us, Lord, to, to know what that is, Father, to be able to hold the hand that only we can hold, to be able to talk to someone that we can only talk to. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, Father. Thank you for watching over us, for keeping us keeping us from now until we see you in glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.